0: Let me invite you to turn with me tonight to the book of 1 Kings and to the 17th chapter, which we'll read in full. 1 Kings 17, beginning in verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and lived by the brook Cherith which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first, and bring it out to me, and afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he And her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, "'What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death.' He said to her, "'Give me your son.' Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. He called to the Lord and said, "'O Lord, my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die?' Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Father, may it be that we would believe tonight and know that the word of the Lord is truth, and that we would be impacted by the truth, that we would believe it, and apply it and live upon it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Three years and six months. That's how long both Jesus and James tell us this drought announced in verse 1 is eventually going to last. And I believe, given that the drought is announced to King Ahab, verse 1, and given what we are told about Ahab in chapter 16, I believe that we are to understand this drought as God's judgment on Ahab. Surely it is at the direction of the Lord that Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Surely the Lord sent Elijah to say that, and surely the Lord sent that message, and surely God sent the difficulty that that message announced because of what we are told about Ahab Up in chapter 16, verses 29 through 33, Ahab the son of Omri became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him." And so as I say, surely we are to understand this drought as God's judgment upon Ahab. And so God, chapter 17, verse 1, is sending a crippling judgment upon the land. Things are going to get dire before 42 months are up. We have a sampling of that fact in verse 12 in the widow's expectation of soon approaching Death, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Things are going to get dire over these three years and six months. Jesus described these as days, Luke 4, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land. Now we're not told how far into these days of famine we are when God sends Elijah to the brook Cherith, but it would appear that we're far enough into these days of difficulty that Elijah already needs special provisions in verses 2 through 6. Special provision of water and of food. And things, of course, are going to get even worse. But through it all, God shows himself sovereign. Sovereign. And that fact gives us our first heading tonight, the first lesson I want to draw from the events of this drought. God is sovereign. God is sovereign, first of all, over the rain. Who made the rains to cease? Well, it's true, James five seventeen, that Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And so, in a sense, the rain stopped at Elijah's word, but the fact that he prayed reminds us that the God to whom he prayed is the one who controls the rain. It's also true that the rains would return, verse 1, by the word of Elijah, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. But again, James 5.18 and 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah is going to have to pray. And so, though the drought comes and goes in one sense by Elijah's word, yet in the An ultimate sense, in the ultimate sense, these things take place at the command of the one to whom Elijah prays. God is sovereign over the rain and the lack thereof. He's also sovereign over the ravens. Verse four: I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. God says to Elijah, and lo and behold, verse six: the ravens do it. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Now we're not told where they got the bread and the meat, but God was sovereign over that as well. And he's sovereign over the ravens who bring it. And then he's sovereign over this widow as well. In verse 9, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to... Provide for you. So God sends Elijah outside of Israel to Sidon, to this woman, and God has commanded her to provide for him. Now, her response in verse 12 perhaps means either that she knew God had commanded her but she didn't yet trust him enough to follow his commands. Or it may mean that, she, that God commanded her in verse 9, meaning something like God ordained for her to provide for Elijah, so that he ordained for her to provide without her realizing it. But either way, you see, whether in verse 12 she's not yet ready to follow God's command or whether she doesn't yet know that God has commanded her or ordained her to feed Elijah, at the end of the day, she ends up doing exactly what God commanded, doesn't she? Because God is sovereign. God is sovereign over the rain, over the ravens, over this widow. He's sovereign over her flour, and oil as well, so that she can provide for Elijah. And he's even sovereign, verse 17, and following over life itself. This boy dies, and Elijah prays, and verse 22, the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. God is sovereign. And I say to you tonight that God is sovereign in your life. God is sovereign over the rain, over the ravens, over the oil, over the flour, over the people in your life as well. And he's sovereign even over your very life itself. And he's sovereign over everything else as well. Paul says in Ephesians 1 that God works All things after the counsel of his will. All things. He works life and he works death after the counsel of his will. He works both inanimate creation and animate creation after the counsel of his will. He works unintelligent creatures and their movements and intelligent creatures and their movements After the counsel of his will. He even works the choices and the actions of other people after the counsel of his will. And he works your choices and your actions after the counsel of his will. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And she does it. God is sovereign even over people and their behaviors. And this should be a comfort to us, that God works all things after the counsel of His will, that He's sovereign, because it means that life is never out of control. Often, it may be out of your control, of course, but it's never out of His control. He commands rain and ravens. He commands widows and what is in their jars. And indeed, He works all things after the counsel of His will. And not only that, but He causes all things to work together for good on behalf of His people. He wields His sovereignty for His people's benefit. And that fact nudges us toward our second lesson tonight. First, God is sovereign. Second, God provides... God provides. Look at our good God providing in this chapter. There is drought, and so God points Elijah to a brook in verses 3 and 4 where he may drink. God provides. There is famine, and God commands the ravens to provide Elijah's food, verse 4. He provides. And then, when the brook dries up, verse 7, God sends his servant to a widow, in verses 8 and 9, who has water, verses 10 and 11, because God provides. And though this widow has not enough food, even to keep herself and her son alive for very much longer, verse 12, God provides for that too, doesn't he? In verses 13 through 16, so that the prophet eats and this woman and her household eat as well for many days. And then in verses 17 and following, when the widow's son gets sick and dies, God provides in that situation as well. God is sovereign and God wields his sovereignty over all things to provide for his people and even to provide for those who are not his people. And of course, he does not just do so in unusual ways as in this chapter. He doesn't just do so either when we're in, just when we're in difficulty as in this chapter, but he's providing all the time, isn't he? The very air that we breathe is his provision. The rain that makes our food to grow is his provision. The sun that does the same, the nutrients in the soil, all these things come from his hand, just as assuredly as the miracle oil and flour in Zarephath came from his hand. And even when we earn money and, in a sense, provide for ourselves, which is right to do, who is it that gives us the smarts and the bodily strength to do the work? God provides. God is always providing, so let us always thank him. But First Kings 17 does record unique provision to people who are in a jam, people who are in a difficult spot. And so I want to return to that sort of provision and just ask you for a moment if you've seen God do that in your life. Just think about it for a minute. Maybe your difficulties have not been as dire as in 1 Kings 17. Probably they haven't. But I wonder if you can think of a time in your life when you were in some sort of difficulty, some sort of direct need, clear need, and God provided. Can you think of that, something like that? Thank God for it tonight. Or if you don't, can't come up with it right now in your mind, think about it later. And when God reminds you, thank him for that. I'll give you an example from my own life from this very week. And I don't share it for sympathy, but for your edification and for God's praise. Some of you know that um, with my tendency to be obsessive and compulsive, I often get anxious about my sermons and that posting them online is one of the temptations to anxiety. And yet, I believe God recently has given me multiple nudges uh, saying, you need to do this. He's been providing some nudges that I need. And by his grace, the last three sermons have gone up. But it's not been easy. And so I'm sitting at my desk yesterday, not terribly anxious, but wrestling a little bit. Uh, in my heart over the posting of Sunday's sermon. When in the midst of that struggle, I open my email and I find an email from a friend uh, quoting and saying that she is praying for me, 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 11 and 12, which read like this, to this And also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in all caps, using the words of this uh, verse 11, she exhorted me to fulfill every desire of goodness and every work of faith. And God used uh, her praying, no doubt, and particularly her letting me know that she was praying and her exhorting me to fulfill every desire of goodness and every work of faith. God used her email and his word in it to help me get that Sunday sermon posted. Now, my friend knows that I'm anxious about my sermons, although I'm not sure if she knows I'm anxious particularly about putting them online. Perhaps she does. But she did know that I needed the kind of prayer that she was praying and the kind of exhortation that she was offering to press on in God's work. And yet, she didn't know that I'd necessarily have a very specific need of that encouragement, that prayer, that exhortation, within less than an hour from when she sent the email. But you see, God knew that I needed that, and God provided what I needed, because that's the kind of God He is. He provides. And before we leave this point tonight, let me say to you believers, let us never forget His provision for us in the straits of our sin. Let us never forget that while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Elijah was helpless in the face of this drought and famine and at the right time God provided for him. This widow was helpless in the face of these circumstances, and at the right time, God provided for her. Her son was helpless. He was dead. And at the right time, God provided for him. And praise God that while we were still helpless, helpless in our sins, helpless in our deadness to God, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died the ungodly. While we were still helpless, God provided. So God is sovereign. God provides. And thirdly, finally, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Now this is similar to the last point, so I won't linger terribly long here, I don't think, but it's worth noting that both in regard to this dead boy and in regard to the rain, we learn in James chapter 5, God provided in answer to Elijah's prayer. God gave this boy life and God both withheld rain and sent rain, James 5, in answer to prayer. Now, we're not told whether Elijah prayed about the food and the water that God provided or whether God provided those things apart from prayer, which he often does. But in the matter of this death, in verses 20 through 22, and in the matter of the ceasing and the returning of the rain, James 5, God provided an answer to prayer. Let's just read about it regarding this boy again, 17 and following. Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. He said to her, Give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. He called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. God answers prayer, and James, in the New Testament, using Elijah's prayer regarding the rain as an illustration, James teaches us this in chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, the effective Prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah didn't have some sort of superhuman strength whereby he could raise the dead or whereby he could command the weather. No, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. But he was righteous and he prayed earnestly and thus he saw the power of God at work. And so may you, if you are righteous and if you pray earnestly, So may you, if you are right with God in Christ, and if you are doing right by God with the help of the Holy Spirit, and if you pray earnestly, you too can see the power of God at work. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much.